Welcome to Experts at EWU. And it's one of my favorite things to do because, frankly, I learn a lot, and you will too. Uh, I'm welcoming another outstanding professor from EWU, and I'm going to look at my cheat sheet. It's Lauren Stoholviak. Was I, yes, did I yeah, get it? Nailed okay, it. I'll mess up the rest of these terms <laughs> that you've got in here and so forth, but welcome. Thank you. Tell us what it is you do. Um, well, I am a dendrochronologist or a tree ring scientist that uses tree ring data to sort of uh, piece together and reconstruct uh, bits about wildfire activity and um, environmental aspects of the past on our landscapes. So reconstructing things like how wildfires behaved, um, what they sort of looked like in the past and how ecosystems of the past have changed through time, particularly with climate change. Yeah. 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 Tell me about your background because you didn't just decide one day, well, you might have in high school that this was going to be a career because it took more learning than that, right? Yes. So walk through your degree and interests and things like that. Yeah. So I've always been sort of someone who's really enjoyed the outdoors and so connections with forests and nature, so to speak, were, yeah. were sort of natural to me. Um, and in my undergrad, I studied geography and um, environmental science. Okay. And <clears throat> that translated into a master's degree where I looked and used something called geographic information science, or okay. GIS, as we, we call it, which is a, a way of, of using spatial analysis to look at patterns on the earth. And that sort of just took off. <laughs> yeah. From there, it was tree rings and wildfires in my PhD. Tree rings, why that? So trees are these really awesome things that um, they, they record. They're really a time capsule, aren't they? they exactly. Yeah. They're, they are environmental, they're recorders of everything that happens around them in the environment for the entirety of their lives. And they do this really cool thing that not a lot of in other environmental pieces of data do, which is they put on one ring per year. And okay. so that annual resolution or granularity in the data allow you to see changes in and these environments and, and patterns pa in the yes. environment through time in the environment near that tree. Yes. Right. Um, yes, because you probably would not see that in plants, regular plants and so forth, because they have a shorter life cycle. Right. right. It, it, and it also, if it has to produce the, the wood the, and the, the wood per year. So actually not even all trees will do that. So oh, really? If trees, yeah. So if a tree is growing in a much more tropical environment or an environment that doesn't experience a lot of seasonality, either in temperature or moisture or some you know, environmental uh, pressure on that tree right. that causes that tree to shut down. So like, for example, around here, it's winter, right? So in yes. winter, the trees sort of, they, they go dormant the end of the so growth. they might not be collecting as much right so they're they're collecting nothing that would oh, be in oh. the tree ring the end of growth so you wouldn't oh. see anything oh, really? past so uh, it's not a true year it's like a growth year right it okay. would be some it wouldn't end on the like in, in december so okay. to speak but you know if the tree is growing in an area say in you know in the middle of a rainforest where it's always getting enough sunlight and moisture and right. it's always warm it's not actually forming those annual rings yeah and so it's still doing other really cool things for us, but not uh, forming that sort of environmental data we need. Yeah. What can you tell about climate change through the rings? Can you? Oh, yes. You okay. can tell all different kinds of things about climate through time. Um, you can look at changes in precipitation, so you can actually see how um, 
precipitation regimes may have things like drought, for example, may have uh, fluctuated um, through time. Um, you can also see lots of things about fire. So in tree rings, okay. you can actually see the preserved charcoal. So you can see instances on how fire activity have, have changed through time. The ability to look not just at that specific spot, but that specific spot through time is what okay, allows right, the right. power. Especially yeah. if it's a few years or a decade mm -hmm. or more. Yes. Summer temperature is also something that's very commonly reconstructed, seeing how temperature is changing through time yeah. um, via tree rings, yes. So how has it been cha changing? So we, we are seeing in a lot of areas that um, the droughts, for example, in um, the Southwest, well, throughout the West in general, actually. I was going to say, <laughs> I, not just don't, the don't Southwest. leave out the Northwest yeah. this year, at Actually, least. Yes, yes, it's the West in general we're seeing, for example, are the worst in hundreds of years, in some places over a thousand years, maybe. Okay. Um, but when so, you say that, it's happened before, though, too. Right. Right. I mean, right. this isn't... Mm -hmm. Everything is going to heck in a handbasket necessarily the first time it's ever happened. Right. And in right. fact, that's actually usually what actually draws even more concern is not only that what we see now is being truly sort of catastrophic to our, you know, for just using drought for as, as an example, right. our water resources, how we use it, the water availability we have is already sort of stressed. We already see those limitations right. and we've seen actually drought can get worse in the past. Okay. So, so right. So are we headed there, right? Right. You so know. the that's another layer that tree rings can sort of pull out is actually that, you know, what we're experiencing now is bad, but we actually have experienced worse. Right. Not at the rate of change we're seeing, but in terms of those levels, yes, it, it actually can get worse. But I, I was going to say the first thing that does to me is it says it allows us to, to react because we have the history and the knowledge now right. that a thousand years ago they didn't. Let's face it. I mean, you know, maybe maybe they had some of it, but minimal. Right. Yeah. Well, the, and it, and it's that positive outlook that that we can still actually. This isn't irrevocable. This isn't okay. something right. we can't. It's just not like a doom and gloom thing, so to speak. Like we actually, like you say, we have care the, about we, our we, environment. We, yeah, yeah, and we have <laughs> the knowledge. We just have to start having the conversations. Yeah. Mm -hmm. One of the things that that I noted in looking over a little bit of your background is how important wildfires are to you. And, and even your comment back to me with my son, who's a fireman. Yeah. Okay. And, and so my guess is you know a lot of what they go through. Uh, and, yes. And, and it's dangerous. Yes. We've, we know the stories of, mm -hmm. of, of all of that. It's hot. I mean, you know, literally hot out there mm -hmm. with what they have to wear to protect themselves. And then they go... They walk toward fire. Right. You know. And then you add in top of it, like the heat waves we're experiencing right. all over. So there's, yes, layers. Right. Yes. What are you learning from all of this that will help, not only help us in terms of maybe managing our forests and some things like that, because there are things that we can do, but helping firemen. Right. I asked that selfishly for my son. Okay? <laughs> right. Yes. And, and, and I, I want to preface everything. Like I don't, I've never been on the front lines. Those folks do some truly amazing things for yes. our community. And I honestly think the number one thing right now that can be done is pay them more. Um, we really need to devote. And that's like devoting resources, time, money, um, yeah. and, all that that all that that encompasses into supporting firefighters in the moment, and when when they do, I mean, they oftentimes drop what they're doing at a moment's notice. Yes, I mean, we are at um, preparedness at the, as a nation level five now, which is the highest level. Okay. Resources are stretched as thin as we 
as they basically go on the level. And so folks from North Carolina are being called to action to fires in Montana, so to speak. And that's, you know, those are yes. actual things happening. And it's, it's not only like physically demanding because yeah. it's in the middle of summer and you're walking to a heat source that's constantly <laughs> moving and constantly changing. Some of these fires get so large that... And they can turn on you real fast. Yes, they can. Yes. And we, we hear about losses all the time. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I would say for the firefighters right away, it's devoting the resources as much as okay. we can to support. And, and also on the back end too, because you know it's more than just the physical you know, roughness that they experience and pushing their bodies to the limits. But, you know, it's the mental trauma, too. It's yes. experiencing what it's like always walking into and they're seeing a destruction. situation. Yes. Constant. Yes. Always. Yes. 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 Whether they're walking mm -hmm. into a forest fire or to an auto accident or whatever. Right. E exactly. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes they're, you know, they then they have to, you know, go go home and sort of grapple with that. And so yeah. there's also the back end of, as well. Right. Right. It, it's... Uh, it, it, it's really an interesting subject. I learn a lot from my son. Uh, he's gone back and taken the courses where uh, they've developed a down building and you have to crawl in to get somebody in 45 minutes or 50. Right. I'm going to get it wrong. And first thing I ask him, well, tests. how did you do? Did you make it? <laughs> no. He said, it's almost impossible. But you learn from what you're doing, and, and it steadily got better and so forth. And then he came back to Spokane and helped teach it to others in the area. Because it can happen in Florida. It can happen here. Yep. Yes. You know? And mean, it's, it, yes, it's that knowledge, that sharing of knowledge that yes. is so vital in our communities moving forward yeah, about fire. It, it really does make. We're so lucky today between cell phones and now the system that's in Spokane that puts firefighters in touch with other firefighters and, and what's going on. I forget the name of the program. Is that Pulse Point? Yes, yes. Pulse Point. Mm -hmm. in, I've in recently so discovered that. Oh, my yeah. gosh, it's amazing. My son called me one night. He rarely calls at night knowing that we're early to bed at our age. and said, So late night calls are always kind of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And he said, do you know you have a fire on the next street? Next street over. Well, the funny part was, and it's not funny, of course, but the ironic part was it was our first house in Spokane on the next street oh over gosh. because I drove by it the next day. And, and, and uh, of course, you can see all the, all the fire the trucks and emergencies that are sent out. And, and, and they, it, to me, it was overload, but it was if we don't stop it at this now, house. Yep. Yeah, mm -hmm. and, and it turned out it wasn't that bad, but it got up in the attic and outside wall and all that. Mm -hmm. But we all know instinctively that another five minutes, it would have been next door. And yeah. the houses here on the South Hill, especially in this neighborhood, are fairly close together. Right, you know? mm -hmm. and, and fire tends to burn up slope, so. Right, <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, where are things going in, in, in what you're... Uh, let me ask a question before that. Um, your students, what are they interested in? Why are they taking your classes? What do they want to do with that? So what I hear most from students in my classes, particularly the, the skills-based courses, are basically what can I do for my community? Like I want to leave this class with a skill or something that I can then take and immediately translate into action. Okay. Um, I want to 
engage with my community in that way. And so, for example, um, a, a lot of the climate change courses they they build community action plans. Okay. Where you know, and you know, I let them I let them get a little creative. They can pick, <laughs> you know, their hometown or Spokane, or like they can sure. make entirely fictional cities. But it all has to be based in the, the science and stuff. But it, it they're really really connected with having an action, like having something like tangible they can look at, a step-by-step that they can then do in their society, they can then share with others. Um, a lot of that in my in, a, in my classes tends to take the form of like maps or geovisualizations. Okay. So that's what a lot of GIS is. And okay. so, for example, they'll, <clears throat> they'll look at, in my G, one of my GIS classes, they look at different pieces of data that might relate to wildfire activity or, or a natural hazard to a home. And, and build the map that then isolates areas of potential risk for right. that neighborhood. Right. And that's kind of like it's connecting the, the, the event, whether it's a wildfire or a flood or sea level rise or, you know, whatever climate change impact it is or um, aspect of climate change, they're connecting it directly with their, right. with their communities. Right. A lot of it's being prepared, and we live in a beautiful country here. Mm-hmm. And um, as you know, a lot of folks want to be out and experience it with their homes and and so forth. Um, But even here in town, um, we live on hills. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Fire goes up usually, (laughs) you know, and and, and things like that. And uh, we've had um, folks on from uh, various fire departments and and natural resources. And uh, Guy, uh, I forget his name, Gifford, has been on and, and talking about preventing but the real practical of that came down to me one day when when J- JP and and his crew were from Fire, Fairchild a few years back out in the valley when it was going up in the Ponderosa area or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he said it really does, if they don't take care of around their homes, it really yes. makes the decision of which houses we work at because that one's a goner. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of a, a few moments. That one have worked at clearing. We have a better chance to save that house. And as rough as that is, it's a decision that has to be made. Oh, absolutely. You know? Yes. And life over property every time. Yes. And I would argue, and this is something I teach, one of the biggest things I teach in my wildfire classes, the classes and sections where we talk about wildfire is right. this idea of defensible space and the yes. idea of live. if you're going to live in fire country now, that I would argue that that term is changing everywhere is yep. fire country. Right. But if you're living in what is out here in the West known as fire country now, you you must be fire wise. You right. have to understand that if you're going to own property, you need to clear out your defensible right. space. You need to not put your wood pile against your home. Right. You, you know, like that sort of thing. Um, and yes, you need to recognize that as picturesque as you may think those trees immediately around your property exactly. are exactly they because this is what you came out for you right know, is to the, be out in the, the, the exactly in nature. i get that yeah. it's actually very it's an interesting thing because you know forests the forests out here look the way they do now they're 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 so green they're so full of trees because we've had lots and lots of fire suppression over over decades you know over yep. 100 years in some places and so the idea that we have of what the forest should look like is actually a newer idea, and it's not what's actually natural for these right, ecosystems. Right. So if, if when they come out, you know, when folks come out and they want that picturesque, 
cabin in the woods. But it, I really want the tree over here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I want it close to my house. I want yeah. that sort of, yeah, it's really right. unsafe. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when you have more fuel on your property, the fire burns hotter, burns, it's, it's much more dangerous to put, it's harder to put out, for example. So yeah, less resources will be allocated yeah. likely in that direction. What's the one thing you want your students to walk away at the end of your class? <laughs> Oh gosh, I would like, I, I, I would really hope that when they walk out, they're critical thinkers. Okay. Because I love that. What we do, and, and by we, I mean like the, the, the geoscience and the, the climate change and the fire science, all of that, that community that encompasses a lot of folk, it is, it's always been political, and that's not a problem, but the, the ability for it to not be completely based always in science or for there to be twists and warps. Being a critical thinker really helps you get at the bottom of things and really ask the right questions. And once you have the question you want, pursuing it in the right way sort yeah. of thing. So I would hope for that because, I mean, obviously I can't always be there. And, I, you know, they would all, I would hope that critical thinking would be number one. <laughs> yes, good for you. I think that's great. We need more of that. Uh, I lied. That wasn't the last question. Um, <laughs> Uh, uh, what should they walk away with in terms of, oh no, are there other, what I would call wildfire nerds? And I say that, <laughs> I say that in, in a loving in way, okay? Way, yes. <laughs> like you, are, do you discover some of that in your classes? Yeah, so yeah. wildfires um, tend to be, well, actually all kind of those kinds of catastrophic natural disasters right. tend to be sort of like, quote unquote, sexy in the classroom. Students really get into that, and that's sure. the draw of the catastrophic versus the chronic. Yeah. That slow creep of sea level rise is not as interesting as, right. you know, yeah. seeing you know, the world on fire. Um, but yeah, there are students. <laughs> what I actually really love the most in, it, in being, you know, speaking of Fairchild, uh, fair um, right. being as close as we are at Eastern, I actually get a lot of students. I've had a lot of students over the years who've been wildland firefighters or have experience in the past. Maybe they're not at that time right. taking the class and, you know, they're in their, they're in my biogeography and they're learning about disturbance of fire on the, on the landscape. And they're like, yeah, no, I know right. like, I do this. This is my, this is my job. And they have that firsthand knowledge. I love that yeah. when I see that people get really interested in fire because I actually, I mean, it probably draws, I mean, it draws back to this sort of, um, Oh, like, you know, like we've had this connection with fire for a long time. We've only recently been this aver aversion suppression mentality, but people on landscapes have been involved and had, you know, alliances and partnerships with fire for a long time. So I think it's natural to be this sort of excited. Yeah. I want to learn more about it and what it, what it means to have fire on the landscape. Well, and when you and your students learn more, we all benefit from it, yeah, okay? When yeah, that when that news knowledge. info yeah. can be disseminated out to those who can or are on the front line, or the rest of us who just can do certain things around our own homes. Yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. really simple things. I'm just thinking of a couple of things I won't mention. Uh, our house, I better get to. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Lauren, thank you. Oh, thank you. Uh, this I, has been a pleasure. <laughs> well, good to have you. Uh, as I said at the beginning, I just love. I love doing this program because I meet some really interesting folks like you, and I learn something, okay? <laughs> and even old people can learn something, okay? <laughs> and maybe we can all make things a little better, too. Absolutely. All right? Thanks for watching Experts at EWU. Our
campus out at uh, Incheney in downtown Spokane. I love it. Love it. We're a uh, college town here. Thanks, everybody. Have a good day.